The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Patricia Raskin's Positive Living, the program that brings you practical and inspiring principles for living more authentic, engaging, and passionate lives. Created by Patricia Raskin, a catalyst for positive change. All comments, views, and opinions are solely those of the host, guests, and callers. And now, here's your host, Patricia Raskin. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome. Welcome to Patricia Raskin Positive Living on Voice America, America's Voice. We're going into our 11th or 12th year here on Voice America, and I completely believe in the kinds of programs that they deliver to the public because it's all about really giving people hope and showing people different venues and turning your obstacles into opportunities. Today we have a very interesting topic, and we're giving it a lot of time. Uh, We're talking today about another idea that people are trying and liking called reconnective healing. Now, to give you some background and comparison, if we look at the concept of sushi, we think about putting raw fish in our mouth, which was totally bizarre years ago, and now it's mainstream. We talk about acupuncture, and nobody thought sticking needles in you would be a good idea, and now it's covered under most health insurance plans. When yoga came to the United States, you know, the possibility of contorting your body into different positions seemed odd, and now there's a yoga studio in every corner. So this new concept of reconnective healing is different, and people are accepting it, and close to 100,000 people worldwide have already studied it, and the numbers are growing rapidly every single week. And we have the expert and the creator and the founder of Reconnective Healing with us. He's on the phone with us all the way from Norway because he travels around the world. His name is Dr. Eric Pearl. He's been featured in top media, including the Dr. Oz Show, the New York Times, and CNN. He's presented at leading venues, including the United Nations, Madison Square Garden. And his best-selling book is The Reconnection, Healing Others, Heal Others, Heal Yourself. It's in more than 39 languages and has been endorsed by notables such as Deepak Chopra and Wayne Dyer. And he's trained close to 100,000 people in reconnective healing. Welcome, Dr. Eric Pearl. Well, hey, thank you for having me. Yeah, amazing. All right, in your own words, explain to us what reconnective healing is. Well, reconnective healing is a return to an optimal state of balance. It, it, it is access through um, interaction with a comprehensive spectrum of frequencies consisting of energy, light, and information. Basically, energy, of course, is everything that we're made up of organically. It's our very essence and our actual physical body. And light is a resonance and a communication of this information that allows us to return to healing. To me, I view this as as um, a return to the balance that and the health, the fullness that many people report who've had near-death or life-after-death experiences, mm-hmm. the experience of consciousness they report when they're there. And it seems to allow us to access and exist in that 
experience, that full consciousness here while we're on this physical plane. Reconnective healing completely transcends traditional energy healing techniques. It's not a therapy. Mm. It's not a treatment. It's not a technique. It doesn't focus on symptoms. It's something far more comprehensive, and this is why science is studying it so intently because the healings are documented and confirmed in more than an international, more than a dozen international studies, and the healings mm. at this new level of light and information tend to be, A, fairly instantaneous, and B, they seem to be lifelong. Mm. So when you work with someone... I mean, is it is it like, is it anything like it's hands-on or is it like Reiki, which is not hands-on? Or is it like massage? Or is it, where is it, and I know you said it's very different, but give us mm-hmm. uh, some kind of a comparison. Sure. Well, it's a hands-off work. Mm. So your mind might immediately jump to something a little common and well-known, such as Reiki, but... Reiki and Shigong and the different energy healing techniques, old and new, are, well, they're techniques. They access portions of the energy that's been here. Reconnective healing is not a technique. It's actually a way for us to let go of, to transcend, to release our technique approach and access something far more comprehensive. You know, we've been living here in a four-dimensional world, basically, um, well, you know, the four dimensions were our height, width, depth, and time. Mm. And we've been existing in these four dimensions. And in quantum physics, they often illustrate this like a bubble or a balloon floating up in the sky. They say, you know, within this little balloon of height, width, depth, and time has been our existence, and everything inside the balloon has been energy. Outside of the balloon has been the rest of this huge multidimensional universe and when we use our techniques we access subsets or portions of the energy the Reiki portion the Shigong portion Jin Shin Jorei all the different energy healing techniques but first our lesson is to learn to let go of the techniques and our reward for that is we are able to access and step into the entirety of the energy that's been here. And that's something we've always been able to do. But there's also something new of this time that is accessible today that hasn't been accessible before because, well, as we understand from science, specifically quantum physics, we know that time is moving faster but time is not moving faster in a linear fashion as if it's moving from point A to point B. Time is actually moving faster in all directions at once. So really, a more accurate word is that time is expanding. And if our balloon of existence in time mm. is expanding, well, visualize a balloon as you blow it up more and more and more. It becomes thinner and thinner and thinner. And it begins what's inside can communicate with what's outside, in and out, in and out. And what's been existing within our balloon of time begins to interact with what's been timeless outside of that balloon. So time gets thinner, more transparent, more permeable, begins to disappear. And what is it that we know today as we study and learn in quantum physics is that Time is not only disappearing, but time is disappearing 
because we're realizing more and more that time is and has always been an illusion. So as time, our balloon of time disappears, we interact with things that have existed outside of time, which are new levels of light and information. Hmm. Reconnective healing seems, according to the scientists, to bring about new levels of light and information that have apparently not been accessible to us here before, and that's part of what's so exciting to them. So when this work is done, and you, you also uh, talk about how we can do this for ourselves, you teach people how to heal themselves, correct? Yes. Well, that's part of it. What we learn in reconnective healing is we learn how to access and facilitate healings both for ourselves as well as for other people. So when we teach reconnective healing seminars, for example, let me take you through that and then maybe you'll gain a better picture of this. We teach you, well, we start on Friday night by talking about the history of the work, the theory, the philosophy, the science. We bring up volunteers from the audience to give live demonstrations of the healings, and we mm-hmm. teach you how to feel it and how to begin to work with it on that Friday night. Then we move into two levels of the work. The first level is Saturday and Sunday, where I demonstrate how to do the work from the stage, and we all go to massage tables. So let's say, for instance, that you're there at the seminar. Then what might happen is that you would stand at the head of a massage table and someone would lie down on your table. The teaching assistants or I would come around, we would take your hands, we would show you how to find these frequencies, how to feel them, how to clearly interact with them. And as you do that, you will witness, Patricia, right in front of your very eyes, the person who's lying on your table, they will go into involuntary movements of either their eyes darting back and forth rapidly or their fingers moving or arms or legs moving Mm. and, and other things. Then we'll show you how to accentuate it. Then you'll trade places with the person there and they'll work with you, and you get to experience it. And in between this, we talk about, of course, more of the science, the philosophy, question and answer, etc. And that Saturday and Sunday is for you to become very, very, very familiar with this and even even work with self-healing. But Mm -hmm. if you want to become a professional reconnective healing practitioner, the seminar continues for you on Monday Mm -hmm. and Tuesday where we teach you how to set up a practice how to learn more intricacies, more subtleties and nuance of the work that brings about huge changes. And by the end of the seminar, I can pretty much, pretty much make you two promises, which are A, you will be able to do anything and everything in the way of healing in this field that I can do. And B, you will be able to do anything and everything in the way of healing that any human being anywhere on this planet can do, whether they were raised by monks in a cave in the mountaintop in Tibet, whether they learned all 33 forms of Reiki and Shigong and Chinchin and Jorei, or whether they're just born into a healing family. So, Eric, what are people saying? I mean, what are the responses you're getting when they are recipients of these treatments? How do you mean that? What are they saying? What are their reactions? What are, and what are the results? 
So, so someone's oh. on the table, and then yeah. they've been worked on, and they get off the table. What are the? I mean, you talked about the reaction of how they feel when they're on the table, but what happens afterwards, and what's the long-term effect? What do you? What are people saying? Well, gee, where do we begin? Um, healings can take on many forms in many ways. And what are they saying? Well, let's try this. You know, just uh, two, two nights ago when I gave an opening presentation here, mm-hmm. a, woman, a woman came up who had had um, an injury for three years where she was unable to raise her arm higher than maybe just parallel to the ground. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and she had had three years of physical therapy, of um, x-rays, MRIs, injections, exercises, medical treatment, and nothing had worked. So she volunteered to come up thinking, she was thinking that I was going to do a healing on her, and so was everyone else. Then we brought up a 15-year-old boy who had never been involved in healing, didn't know anything about this work. And I brought him up on the stage to sit next to us. And I said, first of all, I'm going to teach him how to do this. So we let him bring his hand out. We let him feel it. His mm-hmm. body responded. His fingers began to move. He was very amazed at what he felt. And I said, okay, this is, now I'm going to teach you how to begin to work with this. And then I said to the woman whose arm wouldn't raise up, I said, now before this person begins to help you with your arm, please show him how high your arm can go. For the first time in three years, it went up all the way right over her head. She didn't even know that the healing had taken place. Mm. What did she say? She didn't say very much because her jaw was on the floor. Yeah, amazing. And then, and that result, Eric, does that stay? So does that stay the next day and the day after? Well, I've seen her participating in this seminar for the past three and a half days and her arms are completely pain-free. Why there is so much research about reconnective healing, again, there are two things. A, as we just talked about, the healings tend to be fairly instantaneous. And B, the healings almost always seem to last for the person's lifetime. Mm-hmm. You don't have to come back Amazing. again and again. You don't have to take three months or 12 months. They tend to happen right there. I was almost going to say in present time, but I'm not going to say in present time. I believe my understanding is that the reason that these healings take place on such an instantaneous level is because they take place outside of time and space as we know it, the way science is describing that time and space is an illusion and the way we tend to exist within that illusion is disappearing for us today. When we reconnect with our original fullness, the truth, the essence of who and what we are, we function outside the, uh, the bounds of these illusions. Mm-hmm. We step out of our perceived potential of four walls, a floor, and a ceiling, and we step into our actual potential mm-hmm. of truly being more multidimensionally aware yeah. and conscious human beings. 
how did you discover this? I mean, you, you founded this. How did this come about for you? You were a chiropractor. So how did this all happen? Well, <laughs> what happened really is, is that I went home on a Wednesday night. I was awakened in the middle of the night by a very bright light. I opened my eyes to see what it was, and it wasn't anything seemingly spiritual or woo-woo or metaphysical. It was just my lamp next to my bed. For some reason, it turned itself on, and I figured, well, you know, maybe it's an electrical short or something like that, except shorts usually turn things off. But, you know, I didn't give it that much thought. But what I did give awareness to was it felt as if somebody was in my house, and that was not a comfortable feeling. Mm-hmm. Let's, uh, let's just say I got up. I, I really, this makes me laugh, but I did. I got up with a knife, a can of pepper spray, and my Doberman pincher. Mm-hmm. I went hunting through the house to see who was there. Wow. So after about 10 or 15 minutes of not finding anyone, I told myself, you know, like any other sane person, this must be my imagination. And I went back to sleep. But that Monday, when I went in to see my patients, after I would remove my hands from my patients, they still felt my hands on them. As I would move my hands, they felt different sensations in their bodies. As wow. I held my hands near them, I would see their eyes rapidly dart back and forth, their fingers and feet move. They started reporting seeing colors they'd never seen before and smelling mm-hmm. flowers they'd never smelled. And they began getting up, and many of them demonstrating Healings. People who came in on wheelchairs were suddenly able to walk. Children with cerebral palsy or epilepsy could run and walk and talk and play and weren't having seizures, weren't needing medications. Their parents would call, their doctors would would call. They'd say, what did you do? And I said, I didn't do anything, and please don't tell anybody. Well, that went over real big. You know, the more I said that, the more everyone started talking and calling to come in. They wanted the same thing. And the next thing I knew, people began asking me to teach this. And I said, you've got to be insane. How do you teach something like this? I'm, I'm standing there sort of waving my hands in the air, trying to figure out what I'm doing myself. Yeah, that's amazing. You go outside, wave your amazing. hands in the air, tell me what your neighbors say about you. <laughs> wow. But, Eric, did you ever yeah. get, um, after this kind of amazing gift you were given, did you then get messages from whatever, from a higher power, as to what this gift was and what you needed to do? I am rarely asked that question. Um, <laughs> That's why I'm a good interviewer, Eric. <laughs> how, do you, how do you mean that? <laughs> what I mean In other is, words, go ahead. What I mean is, here you are with your patients, and you have this newfound power that you really don't even know how it happened, except for the story that you told about this light coming in your room. Mm -hmm. So was there a follow-up to that where somewhere along the way you got more information as to what this really, really was? Yes. Absolutely, yes. And here's how it started. And it is weird. As I was holding my hands to one of their my patients, after I worked on adjusted them, their eyes were darting back and forth the way most of my patients would move, and then they started moving faster. I saw involuntary muscles start to 
move around the chin and the forehead, pulling at the eyebrows, pulling at the lips. The mouth parted a little bit. I could see the person's tongue moving. And then in sort of an airy kind of a voice that became a little stronger, my patient said, (laughs) we are here to tell you to continue doing what you are doing. Mm. What you are doing is bringing light and information onto the planet. And I thought, I thought, well, all right, you know, this is an interesting person. Maybe something real is happening. It feels real, but maybe he's just a little weird. I didn't know what to make of it, although it did feel like something big. Now, was that coming from someone, or was that coming from something in your head? Oh, no. This was a voice coming out of this human being. Patients from the other rooms... Patients from the other rooms came out of their rooms and out of the reception area because his voice became so strong to come in to listen and watch. Hmm. A few days later, two days later, it happened to three other patients. A few days after that, it happened to five other patients. All in all, over 50. I don't know what made you asking this question. Um, All in all, over 50, five zero different patients over the following three months lost consciousness and spoke six verbatim phrases. The wow. third and fourth phrases were what you're doing is reconnecting strings, what you're doing is reconnecting strands. Hmm. There were six all together. And this went on for approximately three months. And I figured, you know, here are these people, uh, some, some intelligence apparently somewhere has decided that it is important enough, sufficiently important, Mm -hmm. to communicate with me and has managed to reach through the illusion of time and space and turn over 50 different human beings in the living broadcast system. Amazing. I I guess I should pay attention because if it were one person, I could write it off. But some of these were patients of mine I had had for Mm -hmm. 10 years. Some of them were patients coming in from the phone book on their first day. Some of them actually got frightened and some of them actually became angry at me as if it were my fault. Mm. But it stopped at the end of three months. It stopped at the end of three months, except it continued coming to the very first patient. Mm. And I started having conversations with this voice and tape recording them and had them transcribed and sat on to them for about sat on them for about twenty years and have just 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 put them together into a book that's been recently released. It's already in twenty some languages and it's called Solomon speaks because I gave it the name. We gave it the name Solomon, mm-hmm. not the not the king. We just had to come up with a name and that came to mind. Solomon speaks on reconnecting your life. Now let me let me answer your question because you said to me why sure. would I, why would I ask you that? Well, yeah, it makes it's not, a lot it's of not it, in our press kit, as far as I know. No, of course not. But I go beyond that. Just like you go beyond everything, that's what I do as okay. an interviewer. And that's, that's probably the gift that I have. And I'm not saying, I'm saying it on the airways, which I usually don't say. Because I, I already saw this as you were talking. And my sense is, well, we're, you know, this has got to be explained. Because it doesn't come out of nowhere. And we know this. And it didn't. And your explanation is so clear and so important for people to, to really understand it, that this obviously was a gift that's been given to you by whether we want to say God, higher power, other universe, whatever, 
that you have effectively been able to help 100,000 people. And I think that is such a strong testimony. So that's what I wanted to bring out. Thank you. Yeah, we, I've taught, we've taught close to 100,000 people. Now, each of those people who've learned how to do this work have been able to help as many people as they've chosen to interact now, with. Now, let me ask hear? you, Eric, let yeah, me ask you, what if someone came to you and said, look, I'm going through a breakup, or I'm going to give you three scenarios, which is usually around money, relationship, and health. So the first one is I'm going through a breakup and I'm, I'm stuck and I'm in pain. The second one is I just got diagnosed with an illness and I'm in pain because I'm scared. And the third one would be um, health money and um, would be health. Well, we talked about health. Would be money. And the other one would be I just lost my job and I don't know how I'm going to pay my rent. Now, if you had those three um, acute, what I call immediate acute situations, how would Reconnective Healing help somebody who said, I, I need help, I need to get back in so I don't have to lose myself to this and lose my power? How would this help them? Reconnective Healing is a return to balance. It doesn't address a symptom a diagnosis, or a problem. It, mm-hmm. it includes everything we gain through energy healing, but it gives us something far more comprehensive without even needing to know, you know, energy healing. Energy healing becomes just one small drop in this endless sea of water. So what happens is there's no such thing as a physical healing. There's no such thing as a mental healing. There's no such thing as an emotional or spiritual healing because healing is a return to balance that includes all of those things. So if you just have a physical healing, you've only had symptom care or treatment. If you just have a mental healing, it's, it's the same thing. It's, so I, I'll, give you, I'll give you an example. Example is I'm in um, Thessaloniki in Greece. I finished giving a presentation, and as I'm getting off the stage, some people carry up this boy who's in leg braces and can't walk. He has cerebral palsy. His toes will touch the ground, but his heels can't touch the ground. He's scheduled for another surgery. He can't open or use his right hand, and he can't speak. He just utters unusual sounds, and they say, will you please do a healing? Mm -hmm. At the very end, coming off the stage, I say, well, I can work for a little bit, but the venue is closing. I start to work, but four minutes into it, the venue shuts off the lights and tells us us we have to leave. Mm -hmm. This boy gets up without any leg braces, walks down the steps, and actually climbs up and down the full staircase in this little miniature coliseum and is able to use his right hand fully, pain-free and can speak clearly and he's understood by his family for the very first time. And to this Mm -hmm. day, to this day, this healing exists and this boy is in a wonderful state of health. And that's not the reason I'm telling you the story. I'm telling you the story because interestingly enough, as his mother witnesses healing right there, and she didn't even believe in this work, her neighbors made her come, she decided that she wanted to come the following weekend to Athens where I was teaching it. And I said, great idea. Why don't you bring Demetrius, your son, with 
with you when you come and you can share his story. She said the strangest thing to me. She said, no, I don't want parents to get up false hope. And I thought that was a very unusual response from that situation that she just witnessed. Her child had been to all the best medical care and suddenly she saw the healing. But, you know, I don't, I don't want to argue with the mother. I'm glad she's coming to learn the work. Great. She comes to the seminar. She learns the work. Later on, I'm being interviewed. Someone says to me, what's your most dramatic or your favorite healing? And people think that there's a favorite story we keep on the fire, over the fireplace <laughs> on the mantel. We take down and brush it off and share with people. And I always say, my, you know, my favorite, most dramatic healing story is always the most recent one. That's why I shared the one with you of the, the woman whose arm wouldn't raise up that mm-hmm. happened a couple of days ago. So they said, what was that? And I shared the story of the boy. Well, they said, can we contact him and film him? So I put them together with my Greek book publisher so he could communicate with the family who only spoke Greek. They had some communications. It took a while, a few weeks, and then the family agreed. So the company gets ready to fly out to film him, and the father changes his mind and cancels it. Mm -hmm. So there's more communications for another few weeks or a month. Father agrees again. They get ready to fly out, then the father cancels it. Well, this happens like four times or so, and the film company is about to cancel and say, we can't hold up the project any longer. Mm-hmm. When again, the father agrees, and immediately everyone flies out to do the filming before the father has time to change his mind again like he'd been doing. Mm-hmm. So everyone shows up at the house. The father leaves the house. He'd given permission, but he leaves the house, refuses to come home until the film crew leaves, and that's the end of it. Well, they edit the movie. Everything's ready for the, um, for the premiere in London. And we decide we should offer to fly the family out to London for the premiere, mm-hmm. thinking that the mother and the, and the son will come because the mother and the son are both interviewed, you know, throughout the movie. Right. That's, the father wants nothing to do with it. But they surprised me. The father came out. So when I get there, I'm introduced to them again. And the father says to me, I didn't want Demetrius to be in the film. And, of course, we all knew that. He said, the reason I didn't want him to be in the film was because I didn't want to believe that he had a healing. Yes. But he did have a healing. He walked. He runs all the time. He runs all the time now, even much better than when he had the healing. But he runs all the time because he's only five and he didn't get to run when his friends were running. He said, but the reason I didn't want to believe that he had the healing was because if I accepted that he'd had that healing, I would have had to have lived with the fear that if he had it that fast, any morning I could wake up and it could be gone. Mm. Sometimes Not believing we want that it could stay. Right. Sometimes we want something so much that our fear of losing it blinds us or blocks us from accepting it. And then I began to recognize what the mother meant. It was something similar when she said she didn't want parents to get up false hope. So go from that to your original question about types of healings, and you can say, well, Demetrius had a physical healing. And I'm going to say, did he? Because he felt so much better and more adult about himself that he wasn't different than his friends, that now he had an emotional healing. And then what happened with that was he did much better in school. So he had a mental healing. 
the family almost divorced over that film, whether or not he should be in it. Now, no one only divorce, almost divorces over only one thing. And they had a lot of stresses. Demetrius was a stress in the family. The older brother couldn't do everything he wanted to do because they all had to compensate for Demetrius. But the family had a healing. They are more in love than ever. And the mother has become a practitioner. And now she helps other people and children in her community. So when you drop a pebble into a pond of water, where do the ripples stop? Do they stop when you don't see them any longer? Do they continue? Where do the reverberations happen? How would you give a healing to someone with this problem, that problem, or the other problem? My answer is I would pay absolutely no attention to what the supposed problem is. I would teach you to step in to allow yourself to access this expanded spectrum of energy, light, and information, and as you reconnect in an expanded way, allow the intelligence of call it God or call it love or call it the universe to determine the optimal state of balance to allow that person to return to mentally, physically, emotionally, etc. Get out of the way, become the witness and the witness, and observe healing orchestrated by the universe. Mm. Very, very powerful. Very powerful. And when you teach this, you are now teaching this all over the world. All over the world. I've been on the road for the last at least 12, 13, maybe 14 years, about 40 weeks a year. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you said something very interesting, Eric, about how people are afraid to accept this, that it may not work for their friends or it may not stay. I mean, can't you say that about life in general, where people have had a bad relationship or a bad job, so they, they find what they want, and in a way, they create the situation where it doesn't stay because they really aren't sure it can stay. That's why I said, it's yes, it's human nature to, to fear loss. It's human nature to fear loss. You know, if you go onto YouTube, you can see a lot of interviews, a lot of things where we talk about this in, in, in different ways, but the teaching of it is about bringing a level of consciousness to this work. And, you know, I spend so much time outside of the country. I think I only have like three seminars in North America coming up this year. I know we're teaching, I'm teaching it uh, July 18 through 22 in Houston. I think we're doing Mexico City October 10 through 14. We're doing Vancouver October 17 through 21 and LA November 7 through 11. Oh, we're doing Philadelphia um, Thanksgiving weekend. Mm-hmm. But that's about it. The rest of the time, I, I'm in Europe, South America, Australia. Um, I feel sometimes like I'm riding a bicycle and just keep pedaling and pedaling and pedaling as fast as I can and see how much I can get done while I am still in this life form. Do you think other cultures are more open to this than our culture or not necessarily? Not necessarily. Every culture has a different flavor. Do remember, I mean, my, my um, take on different cultures is a little bit skewed because most of the time I'm dealing with uh, seminar rooms of people who, are already, who have already decided to come. So on one level or another, they've already opened up. But usually when I'm out in public talking about this, I think there's a 
equal mix of people as there is in the United States, people who mm-hmm. say, you know, I don't know, you know, whether something exists beyond the five senses or not, but say something intelligent and I'll listen. And say something interesting, I'll sit down and engage you in conversation. Most everyone wants to learn, but, you know, I speak at the United Nations, at, I present at hospitals, universities. I've trained close to about 20,000 people around the world how to do this work. We have a, a dozen and a half, maybe two dozen studies so far done with reconnective healing, done on, with Olympic athletes and doctors learning the work, done on DNA. At least six studies internationally mm-hmm. so far, some, some are published, some aren't, have shown that reconnective healing actually, actually restructures our very DNA, raising the level of light that is emitted from the DNA in our cells and making it more coherent or harmonic. When reconnective healing first came out, if I had talked about the concept that it might change DNA, I would think the majority of people in medicine and science would have thought I was crazy, and now the studies are demonstrating it. Mm. Can you do this work by phone, or does the person have to be there? I teach it mostly. My favorite way is to do it in person when you're mm-hmm. in the room with someone. You can do it by distance and you don't need a phone. You can do it by distance because in essence, there's no such thing as distance. In mm-hmm. reality, nothing touches. If you, if you place a glass on a desk, that desk will support the glass. But in reality, if you look at what's going on with it atomically and subatomically, you'll find out that nothing is touching but empty space. Mm-hmm. So everything throughout this space in which we exist is touching, is connected, is one. And we need not be in the same, what we consider physical space or proximity. However, I do prefer to do it one-on-one because I enjoy watching the person's body respond, talking to them about their experience, Seeing for many people tears come out of their eyes, other things that take place during the session, not tears of sadness, tears of like an experience of an expanded understanding of of the universe and the relation to it that happens non-verbally, just on a a level of awareness. It's exquisite. I mean, it's absolutely absolutely exquisite. Yeah. I... Can, I don't know if this would work, but it would be interesting. I mean, particularly where you're in another part of the world, actually. Would you be able to do something to demonstrate this with me now on the phone? Is that possible? Well, possible. Possible. Um, I don't know what it will do for the radio listeners, depending on what their experience is, but and I'd like to be there to sort of guide you through it, but we can try. I just Let thought it might be interesting because people listen mostly listen to this online. Uh, they are listening online, and sometimes they're listening live, but other times they're not, and they're listening to the podcast. So I, I think it might be interesting to see, to try, but again... Um, All right. I don't know if I can talk you through this on the radio without visuals to be able to instruct you because I don't know if we're doing it accurately or not. If you want to take a shot at it, we can. 
Um, well, you are the expert. So what does your intuition tell you? And if not, we'll uh, move on to a different question. You, what do you think? Well, let's test something for a moment. Um, obviously, you're familiar with the feel of a basketball, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. So imagine, hold your hands in the position that you would be if you were balancing a basketball on your fingertips. Mm-hmm. Okay, and feel the weight of that basketball. So you, you, you notice that you're, there's a certain about, amount of muscular tension in your hands. Your fingers are spread a bit open, and they have a natural little curve to them. Is that, is that right? Yes. Good. Okay, now let your arms fall. Let your elbows, just your elbows, keep your elbows bent, but let your elbows fall to your side so your hands are now sort of out in front of you. Mm-hmm. Okay. Keep your hands in that same position. You can let your left hand down. Turn your right hand a little bit up so you can see it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now keep your fingers still nice and crisp and strong as if you're feeling the sense of that basketball in it. Okay. 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 Look at your fingertips. Mm-hmm. Just watch them for a moment. First, my question is, maybe you feel nothing, and maybe you feel something. So let's start with that. What sensation are you aware of, if any, in your hands? Tingling in my fingers. Good. Now watch your fingertips. Are they still, or are they starting to move? At the moment, they're still. Okay, let's play one more second. Keep them nice and crisp and open and watch them and let me know, do they stay still or is there tidy vibration in them? They're still still. One hand is turned up, the other one is a little bit in a different position. What about the sensation in your hand? Is it the same Tingling, or has it changed now? Stronger. It's stronger. The more... Very strong. And what... Very strong. Very pulsating. Heavy. Okay. What I am doing right now is I'm allowing myself to connect with you via distance, and I'm sort of pulling or stretching the sensation to see if and or how... It affects your hands. So as I'm sort of pulling or stretching away where energy would become weaker, you're getting the response that happens with reconnective healing is that the sensation actually becomes stronger. The only thing I was wondering about, and if I were with you, I could feel this a little differently and, and watch with my eyes, is that usually what tends then to happen is that the fingers begin to go into little vibratory and take little jumps or little movements. But you're not seeing that, right? No, not yet. But don't worry about it. At least you're beginning to get the feeling of it. This is a... See, It's very heavy around my fingertips and uh-huh. around that last part of the finger. You know, when you, when you bend your finger, it's very, right. um, very heavy. Each one feels like it's like about three or four pounds, each little finger. 
Okay. So you're beginning, you can, you can let your hand down, you're beginning to feel the sensation of it. If we were able to do this in person, you would be able to witness and I could play with it in a different way. Um, but I thought I'd play the game that you set up to see what would happen because, you know, what the hell? Well, it also, I, I did really feel something. I mean, it was really there. There's no question about it. So. Oh, I believe you. I don't think anyone questions your integrity. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So if, if but, let, but let's listen, play I, this I, out, I, I, Eric. Let's play okay. this out. So let's say that I was with you. The yeah. next step might be that then my hands might move or my fingers might move. Oh, most, most likely, like in the 90-plus percentage yeah. of likelihood. Yeah. And, yeah, then, and then what? But part, part of it is that when I'm with you, see, what we're doing is something that I like to have feedback with. And I would sort of know how to adjust or change my hand a little bit to bring about those changes. Mm-hmm. What those changes are is your cells, your cellular structure, structure even your DNA, even your subatomic particles, mm-hmm. interacting with what a lot of science says is a new level of more coherent or more harmonic light than they've witnessed here on the planet before. And the light seems to communicate, you see, because our bodies don't heal. Our bodies don't heal the way we were taught. We were taught that our bodies heal through biochemicals. But what we've learned today is that model is pretty much dead. Our bodies heal through frequency, vibration, resonance exchange, entrainment, energy, informational exchange, and it's communicated via light. Mm -hmm. And that light allows for things to take place that the chemical model wouldn't allow before. We know today that our brains don't function the way we were taught. We don't have little secluded areas in our brains, little sequestered areas in our brains that one is for speech and one is for memory and one is for language and one is for this and one is for that. We know from the works of doctors Carl Pribram and Carl Lashley and others that the information in our brains is diffused throughout our brains, but it's not only diffused throughout our brains, our thoughts and our information doesn't exist within the brain as we used to think. Our brains are merely transducers accessing information from a larger field of information that today science refers to as zero point. Field. It's a field of information that we all exist in naturally, but we don't always allow ourselves to optimize or to recognize. For instance, as a child, if your friend fell asleep and you stared at them until they woke up, you were in the field. As an adult, if you think about someone you haven't thought about for five years, five minutes later they call you on the phone, you're in the field. So people who are psychics, people who are geniuses, people who are healers, It's no big secret. They're just merely accessing this field more clearly, more easily, without second-guessing it, without questioning it. And and you can read about this. Sure, go ahead. Yeah, what you're saying is it's it's like when people ask the question, is there intuition? And the answer is we all have it, but some, some people have it much more developed than others. Well, actually, what there is is instinct. An instinct blended with thought and evaluation and a little bit of judgment and interpretation becomes intuition. 
mm-hmm. instinct can tend to be the subtotal of the sum total, I should say, the sum total of, of all of our information from all of our many lifetimes. I mean, if you're walking through a jungle and a giant hungry tiger leaps out from a tree, at, what do you want to save you, your instinct or your intuition? Mm-hmm. In, instinct is much faster because it, it has the whole picture at once. Right. Yes, we all have instinct and we all have intuition. Mm-hmm. This is amazing. One of the things you know, I, I just okay. I want to say that I read about you that I thought ties into this when you talk about how it's within you. Uh, we talked. I was reading about your childhood and that when your grandfather gave you a box of old broken watches to play with, you held them in your hands and they started to tick again. So as a child, you had you had this ability. Well, you and know you what's know funny it. is I didn't think I didn't think it was anything unusual. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and that's pretty unusual. Pretty unusual. Well, (laughs) yeah, but you know it's unusual as an adult because you've got an overview of of people. Mm. As a child, I thought about me. I thought, isn't this cool? He gave me some old broken watches, and look, as I hold on to them, they start to tick again. And boy, did he have a collection of old watches because he held on to everything. He brought it to watch repair people after people after people until no one could fix those things. And you know what's funny, though? It doesn't work on digital watches. <laughs> mm. <laughs> it only works on the, on the kind you wind up. Yeah. Hey, I had this yeah. thought, if, if you want, for a second, because I'm sitting here in front of a few of the early transcripts, and I thought for people who have a consciousness about healing, I, I'm looking, I'm staring at this one transcript from February of 1996. Wow. It take like a minute or so. I think there's a very interesting part I'd love to share. Good. We have about five minutes left, so go ahead. Okay, so here we go. Your heart is coming here to understand a deeper sense of your truth. You need to recognize your heart is in a space that is allowing you to illustrate your greater being. Your feelings are being carried through on a different plane, and your energy exists in this sphere of influence that is central to your understanding of a different sphere of influence. Mm -hmm. There's a lot that needs to be said in various ways. We understand ourselves in a limited fashion, and we need to carry this understanding, this limited understanding as a life process. It is the unveiling of a multifaceted force within our life. We need to peel away the exterior so that that internal being shines through to those we come in contact with. This eternal soul that resides within our framework is being covered up in many ways by our fears and apprehensions. And the soul fights its way through these fears, yet we try to keep it cloistered so that we remain feeling safe because it feels dangerous to reveal our soul to others. It's the most vulnerable we become. But in your work, in your work, that is what you need to do. You need to unveil your soul. It is not a simple process. And this stripping away of ego is an eternal process. This selflessness that must shine through the being that can reach in without interference. And once that pure force shines through, without it being refracted by various mindsets, 
Once you allow your soul, that egoless purity to come through, that is almost a common denominator, that it has the ability to automatically fuse with the frequency of the person you're working with. So your job in this process is to strip away the defense, strip away the mind, strip away the techniques and the control mechanisms that you have in this plane, let them go. Let them be part of an exterior that is nothing to do with you and present that soul in the room. It will automatically do the work. That energy is the common universal language of the cosmos. It is understood immediately and is felt intrinsically. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. Now, did you write this? Was this channeled by you? Did, some, did, did you hear voices when you wrote this? How, where did this come from, Eric? This is some of the material in Solomon Speaks. It's the material right. that mm-hmm. started, that mm-hmm. continued to come through um, the yeah. voice. It, it utilized the voice of Fred Ponsloff. So there are two books. The first book is called The Reconnection. Heal Which I have in my hand. Heal Yourself. Right. right. So the first book is called The Reconnection. Heal Others, Heal Yourself. And so it's just to make life easy for everyone. The website is the same name. It's thereconnection.com. You have to use the word the, so it's mm-hmm. thereconnection.com. But the second book is called Solomon Speaks on Reconnecting Your Life. The Reconnection is an international bestseller in about close to 40 languages now, and Solomon Speaks is already in about 20-some languages. Mm. Well, it's been amazing to interview you, and I usually don't do the full hour, and I'm just so happy that that we could do this. I mean, it's really an honor, and we're going to rebroadcast this again next week. And if people want to know more, they go to thereconnection.com. Go to thereconnection.com. And the only seminar I have upcoming soon is in Houston, July 18 mm-hmm. through 22, but also in North America is Mexico City, Vancouver, Los Angeles, and Philadelphia, but they're mostly in October and November. Eric, it's been a pleasure. Really appreciate it. my this. pleasure. Yeah. Thank Hold, you. Yeah, thank you. Hold on just for a minute so I can say bye off air. All right, okay. folks, um, that closes out this hour of Patricia Raskin Positive Living. Very, very powerful with Dr. Eric Pearl, who created The Reconnection. His book is The Reconnection, Heal Others, Heal Yourself, and the website is thereconnection.com. And really, uh, check this out. He does seminars all over the world. You've been listening to Patricia Raskin Positive Living right here on Voice America, America's Voice. Remember, stay healthy, stay happy, get the support you need, and know you can make your dreams come true. Until next week, I'm Patricia Raskin. Bye for now. Thank you for tuning in to this week's edition of Patricia Raskin's Positive Living. Be sure to join Patricia Raskin and another amazing guest next Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have an outstanding week. We'll be right back.